0: Hello and welcome into another episode of the College Esports Quick Take presented by Esports Network. Today we are talking to Samantha Anton. She's the COO of the North American Scholastic Esports Federation, better known as NASIF. NASIF's goal is to provide opportunities for students to develop critical skills like problem solving, communication, and collaboration through esports and gaming. Unlike a lot of the other scholastic esports companies whose primary focus is on creating competition between various schools, NACIF is much more interested in using esports as a tool to help teach kids important lessons by reaching them where they already are. NACIF is also a partner of the San Diego Diplomacy Council's fall event called Global Game on how video games promote world peace and diplomacy. During that event, NACIF will be coordinating a game of Among Us with students from San Diego and Mexico to promote global dialogue and collaboration. Samantha, welcome to the show. Thanks for having me, Mitch. Excited to talk about NACIF. I think it's one of the organizations doing some really interesting work in the space and doing some really important work in the space. So let's start with this upcoming event before we broaden out to some of the different topics that NACIF covers. Why did you guys want to use Among Us as a tool to showcase collaboration?
1: Yeah. So um, I'm going to be honest. We actually didn't pick the game title. It was the students that uh, kind of were the main reason why we end up with Among Us. Um, So for the San Diego Diplomacy Council event, we were able to engage our scholastic fellows um, through NACEF. And so David David Amaro from um, Mexico and Angelique Giannis from San Diego are both Teachers and educators that are looking to um, create more esports-centric opportunities and curriculum for their students. And so we really hopped on a Discord group chat with them to say, to talk about this event, um, give them the opportunity, but then also have them connect with their students on what they would be interested in in playing together as like a San Diego group of students and a, a Mexico group of students. So the students are the ones that um, narrowed us down to Among Us. And it, and what was best about Among Us as well is that, that they would be able to participate on a mobile phone and that it wouldn't require much for them to be able to hop in um, because that way we're able to open up the opportunity and we're not putting up these barriers on, okay, only the Overwatch players would be able to play. Really, we were able to have any of, any of the students interested in playing come join us.
0: The widespread adoption of Among Us has been really interesting. There was a lot of articles uh, published around the time the Nintendo Switch came out being like, this is going to get a lot of people into gaming. But I've seen through a lot of my friend groups that Among Us has really been a game that brings people together. Over the last three nights, I have played multiple hours with entirely different groups of people. My brother's friends, uh, a friend from college and her family, uh, some of my college friends who just don't usually play video games, or at least we don't play them together particularly. And it seems like a lot of people are really interested in Among Us and it's being picked up quickly. Uh, and I'm curious, you know, as with such widespread popularity of the game, what does that highlight as we're eight months into this pandemic about what we're missing in human interaction during this time?
1: Well, I think the, the great thing about Among Us as a game is it's. I think it's familiar for everyone to some degree. I think there's there's a game that everyone has kind of played that you can pick up on in Among Us. Um, and I think even the way we have talked about Among Us as a as a, a community of people playing it, you know, I don't think there's anyone that you would say can't play Among Us. And so, for a lot of our students, and especially when we talk about like diversity in in high school esports you know, the conversation is about who is self-selecting themselves out of the room, who is saying that, you know, I'm not esports enough or I'm not enough of a gamer to be able to participate in this. And so I actually think that's like one of the main draw points of Among Us is that as the way that we talk about it and the way that teachers are able to use it, you know, it's something that really everyone can use. And I think we are in a time where we are um, more willing to just try something. We're more willing to do something if it means that we're going to get some five, 10 minutes, you know, with talking with people and feeling connected. And so I think with the lack of human interaction, we kind of also remove us from self-selecting new things to try. Like, I don't think there's a game right now that if someone told me, hey, Sam, you should try this game that I wouldn't try because I don't have anything to lose at this point. And I don't think any of us have much more um, that we haven't feel like we haven't already given up this year. I think everyone's felt some stage of loss in some way that when it comes to trying new things, it's like, why not? This is the time to not say no to anything.
0: Absolutely. It's not like you have a lot of ready-made excuses for something else you want to do during a night these days. It's like, what are you doing? You're watching uh, random Netflix shows. Well, Come play some Among Us with your friends. And I think we've all missed a good level of human interaction, seeing our friends. And, and I find Among Us is a great conduit to bring people together to to share some laughs and have everybody focus. You know, everybody was doing the Zoom meetings back in, in March and April. And it was like, okay, these are fun. It's good to see everybody. But are we really getting that same communication that we would normally receive hanging out in person? I think the answer was generally no, uh, depending on the group, too big of groups talking over each other. It was very complicated. And I feel like Among Us uh, provides a little bit of that coming together, the games we normally share as a way to interact. Uh, And especially for kids who, where socialization is more important and they're missing out on so much of it doing Zoom lectures. I feel like Among Us is providing a lot of uh, very valuable conduit, And actually gaming in general is providing a, very valuable resource for kids during this time to give them things they're missing by not being able to attend school in person.
1: Mm-hmm. And it's really, it's also turned into a huge learning tool. The The amount of resources on Twitter from teachers alone that are saying, hey, we have, we are using Among Us and we are, um, you know, teaching you all about persuasive speeches. Like we literally have our um, scholastic fellow Angelique who has put together a Google PDF or Google slide deck of how she used Among Us as a topic point in her English class and has made that open for anyone to, you know, go on Twitter and be able to access. And now more teachers even more so can be using it. And so I think it also embracing the game for what it is and the opportunities that it has, um, I think really helps everyone because the students are already enjoying it. And because teachers have gone in to play the game, they have seen the opportunities to really engage with the students. And so, you know, if you are just squeezing a few games at the end of class because you all finished early, but you've already used something like these slide decks to talk about how Among Us is related to other skills and other careers. um, You know, I think for the students, it, it does feel more special for them.
0: Definitely. Can you showcase some of those uh, different lessons that you could learn from Among Us? You know, socialization is a crucial one. But can you guys, sort of give us an idea of how an educator might use a game like Among Us uh, to provide valuable lessons going forward to their kids.
1: Mm-hmm. I mean, I think um, like just political science and um, like on on essay writing alone, there's so many opportunities. I mean, any time that you are getting group of people and you're trying to convince them something, um, you know, that, especially like when we think about AP classes and the free response questions, the situations that they outline in classes are, can be applied to these really social games because you pretty much are still talking people. You're still talking about psychology. You're still talking about sociology. It's just, you have these very specific objectives. Um, So I think Um, beyond those, you know, where you probably need to dive a little deep into developing a lesson plan and how to use Among Us. If we're talking about just the the great things that can come out of Among Us just by having the students play, I think building a positive community culture is the best thing any community can do. Um, It's how do you bring people together to do things in a way that everyone feels safe, everyone feels heard, everyone feels like they're participating And Among Us really does allow that. And so the benefits from there is whenever you do anything with that same community and you replace Among Us with, you know, maybe essay workshops or you replace Among Us with how to build a PC or how to set up a stream, they have already subscribed to this culture. They've already felt comfortable that the topics are really all you need from there to draw them in. You know, you only need to be... um, Thinking about what the students are interested in, but then you've already built the culture on how you do it in a way that's safe, in a way that's inclusive. Um, so, so I think Among Us really lets communities get started, and it's such a low barrier for anyone to join in that there there's no one that can really come in and be the um, varsity athlete. You know, no one can be the the class president in an Among Us game, because when you all start a game, everyone is exactly the same. And I think that really does have a ton of great benefits.
0: It's a really good point. It's not a game that necessarily rewards high levels of skill, I guess. You know, I'm trying to think of how I would categorize skill in Among Us. And there's definitely some like strategy that goes into it, of course, but it feels uh, like a much more accessible game than maybe something like Fortnite with a very high skill ceiling where some kids could just be a lot better than other kids. And that creates a natural imbalance there. Uh, and among us does provide that level playing field. And after you've played it for a couple times, you're like, Oh, okay. This is how I sabotage things. Oh, okay. I get it. And, uh, you, you pick the game up rather quickly. It's accessible on a mobile phone, and I think that's something else we could we could discuss as well as the importance of mobile gaming to to be accessible and create a level playing field uh, among kids. But I'm curious, you know, as we talk about uh, this pandemic and. All these other games that are also being popular, and how it's meeting kids where they are and creating spaces where they are. Why do you think now is a particular time going broad away from just Among Us? Why is now a great time to embrace esports and gaming as a potential tool for learning for both educators and for parents?
1: Um, I, to be honest, I think it's a need um, because esports and video games have. And it's not to say that they weren't before, but they've really become such a center point of mainstream culture and mainstream media that it's really a disservice to not really embrace video games and learning because that's how you disenfranchise a lot of students. And it's, you know, I'm a, I'm also at a point in my life where I believe internet is a human right, especially in the United States. And We we still don't have, you know, students that are able to go home and necessarily have their own computer or have reliable Internet. And so the reason why we need to embrace video games and learning in schools is because there are students that are going home that are not getting those same opportunities. And it's not just, you know, oh, they deserve to play video games, too. It's they deserve to learn how to play video games when they're kids. They deserve to learn how to make mistakes when they're kids. And, you know, these kids will grow up and be gamers, you know, at some point in their life, potentially. And we have the opportunity to use video games and learning in the classroom, not just to talk about coding skills and how to design video games, but also how to protect yourself online, how to be a good person online, how to represent yourself, how to create safe passwords. These are all skills that are so needed in everything as an adult. Um, and it's not just because of video games. It's because of anything that we do online. You know, you might have a job that will make you create a Twitter account and that's a part of your job. Um, and so it's it's I think it's really inappropriate, honestly, at this point to not have video games and learning in all schools because we are doing them in many schools. We are seeing really great um, stories come from students who were able to pursue certain careers and passions after high school because of what they were able to do in high school um and so that's that's my main push is if some students are getting video games and learning i definitely believe every single student should be able to have the opportunity to engage with it
0: yeah absolutely agree on internet being a human right at this point it's it just creates such an unlevel playing field if some people have access to the internet and some do not and it also teaches those crucial skills you know i think my lucky stars that MySpace got completely erased when I was, because that was the social media I had in middle school. And I think about the kind of things I likely posted there. I mean, I I see my old Facebook posts, and I was like, wow, that's horrible. Uh, I'm glad that I could delete that now. But I imagine MySpace would be even worse. And so I'm, I I I feel for kids that have grown up with their entire lives online and the different mistakes that are, are naturally come from the various pitfalls of of just being on the internet Uh, and it's definitely something that we need to be teaching kids a lot and I think a lot of that starts with parents who don't entirely understand uh, those same pitfalls themselves and so it makes it very hard to communicate those issues uh, to their kids what could parents be doing to turn gaming to turn online time into a more beneficial period uh, for their kids?
1: So I think parents um, can start by looking, you know, if your students are already gaming, um, having conversations with them about who they're gaming with, um, and and not in a way that is accusatory, or, um, you know, where you're you're evaluating what they're going to respond with, but really just check in and and understand like when you play online, who are you playing with? Um, because I think the the best benefit with uh, middle school and high school esports is you're also having the students game with one another. And I love the idea of an, an entire English class, you know, playing certain games together because they enjoy it. Like that, that doesn't seem like a time waster to me. I think as a parent, I would never say, hey, you're playing with your English class this game. No, turn it off. Like, no, you're playing with your classmates. Um, and so I think just understanding you know, how, how, how does your student enjoy games and, and what communities are they a part of? Um, and, and open up an opportunity to learn. I think video games have been kept in, in such a box for some parents where they're like, yes, I buy my kid video games, but I don't necessarily play with them. I don't really take an interest on in what the game is. They kind of just tell me the game title and, you know, that's what I get them. Um, but just, Treating it as no different than any other activity that they're doing. You know, if you, if you feel like you would be so engaged with your, with your child, if they were, you know, really passionate about dance or if they were really passionate about football or really passionate about robotics, you know, you should have that same excitement if your student is really excited about video games and have conversations with them about what they like about it um, and just use it as an opportunity to learn. I think that's the best thing any parent can do, and I think it is hard. I don't think it's easy to talk with your student about something that you maybe don't know about, but you know, just asking them what they like about it, how, how, what, you know, even just asking them how do you win this game, you know, let them explain to you what they're doing when they're playing games. Um, I think it's is such a great way for parents to to validate what their students are interested in, um, but then also, you know, it's it's appropriate to still. Check in with them and say, "Hey, like you know, maybe you should take a break from playing for a while." And you know, having an understanding of how much time they are playing in games and where they're spending that time. Um, not because students are making bad decisions, but just because as people, we need to teach each other how we take care of ourselves. And I think students still are in an age where they have the passion, the excitement, but sometimes you just have to hold a mirror to their face and say, "Hey." This is a way that you can do things sustainably. This is a way that you can do things. Um, and whether they you know, choose to learn and take it up right away or not, that's up to the student. Um, so, yeah, I think just being invested really is such a key for parents. And then also connecting with other parents and other teachers who have students that are playing video games and, and building a community for yourself. So that way, when things happen, you know, if you do have concerns about a game or something that's happening with your student, you also know who to talk to about it before getting concerned with your kid or, you know, dishing a a punishment for them for doing something.
0: Absolutely. Understanding the spaces where your kid is living, where your students are living and are spending so much of their time just allows you to have uh much more success in teaching them lessons and also makes them more receptive to uh what you want to say. If you show, hey, I, I understand what just happened in this game, uh, I need you to take a break right after you just got uh you just got taken out. So I'm gonna now's the time for a break. But if you're like pause the game right now, well I can't pause it right now, you're just gonna create arguments. So showing an understanding of how a game works is one of the key ways I think that parents can turn gaming time into a more beneficial time and also as you mentioned what do you enjoy about this there if if you ask a kid who plays a ton of minecraft what they enjoy about this i think you'd be very surprised about the positive benefits they're receiving through the game uh things like design like creativity uh like collaboration and that's something that a lot of games have built into them that isn't immediately obvious to people who don't totally understand the game. And I know Nasif has done some work within Minecraft as well. What are some other games we've talked about among us here? What are some games you see that teach kids valuable skills as a core part of the game, not just as sort of an ancillary side part, but truly to the core of the game is a positive benefit for kids. I think there's quite a few games that actually do have those. Mm
1: -hmm. Yeah. And um, with with Scholastic Esports, I think... You know, when, it, when high school esports first was taking off, I think it was just another version of collegiate esports where it's centered around the tournament and the structure and, and the league and the experience that way. Um, I think now when we talk about scholastic esports, we've really opened up what tournaments can look like. And Minecraft has really opened up what scholastic esports tournament can look like in the area of design and coding. Um, So what we did this past summer is we did have a Minecraft Masters competition where essentially it's like Lego Masters. You have sets amount of time to complete challenges and build, um, and you are able to use coding to create your builds. And so it ended up being an international competition with the final four being from uh, the United Kingdom, Mexico, Egypt, and Israel. And... We had a live Twitch event, like streamed live, where we watched the students build skylines, or we watched the students build um, their final, their final uh, landmark. Um, and so, with those competitions, it's so interesting because when we think of esports competitions, I think we really think only about team games, competing against other teams. Given a specific objective, we don't necessarily think about, oh, we can evaluate their work at the end and decide a winner based on certain, um, you know, certain things that we're looking for, you know, the use of code, creativity. And so we have continued on using Minecraft as, as a tool for esports competitions, but really leaning on using video games as a tool similar to robotics or um kind of those very project-based, like app jams. Really, these are almost like creating app jams using Minecraft, where you have your set amount of time and you have to create, given those boundaries. And so I will say I'm biased. I'm a huge Minecraft fan. I think Minecraft is one of the best games out there. And if any parent asked me what game should my child play, I would say 10 out of 10, every child should play Minecraft and be able to play it. Um, And... It really just teaches you all the different arms of video games and esports in one game. I mean, truly um WASD, you know, the WASD keys. W A S D. I learned from Minecraft, and when I went on to play other games, me knowing, me having played Minecraft is what helped me play all those other games. And so it does still teach you the different tools um But in this context, we also are having them think intentionally about what the work that they're doing. So it's not just you're completing the same objective of the game that you would on your own time, but we are creating opportunities for you to do something that, I mean, yes, you could sit in your room and say, hey, today I'm going to design, you know, the city of San Diego on Minecraft. But if you (laughs) are given a challenge and we are giving opportunities for schools to create teams and validate this and, and, They're using school time uh, to be able to participate in these challenges and in these competitions. I think that is some of the coolest things that we've done since we launched a few years ago.
0: Definitely. Minecraft, you you can't extol the virtues of Minecraft enough. It is such an amazing game. and. Uh, as you mentioned, yeah, it's a great in, it's a great way of welcoming into the world. Trying to learn the the keys on a highly competitive experience is going to cause a lot of headaches. And Minecraft is a great way of just sort of dropping kids into a gaming world, a giant virtual sandbox where creativity is uh, the main fuel of the entire game. It's like, what do you want to do? Well, have at it. You have this whole world, you can you can mold it in the shape that you want to mold it to, uh, and it's your space. And I think that's very unique, even in the gaming world that Minecraft serves. And it's been incredibly popular for, a, what, a decade now, a, among especially younger student populations.
1: Yeah, and I could just add, you know, Minecraft is kind of like the Harry Potter series in video games form, where I as you, as you get older, you grow with the game. You know, like the way kids are playing Minecraft it might be, you know, there's some kids out there <laughs> that are very savvy on the internet. But as an adult, you can play Minecraft differently than the way that you played as a kid. And it's not that we are adding adult content in and adding, you know, R rated things. It's literally the same game, but maybe we're in servers or maybe, you know, I mean, my big thing when I was playing Minecraft was the Hunger Games servers and doing the Battle Royale styles. Um, but even just like the the downloadable maps available out there and, and being able to join a server is a skill. Being able to download and install a map is also a skill. Um, and I think as I got older, in my experience with Minecraft, I was able to do more things and kind of reach every little corner of it. But it was only as I got these skills over time.
0: Yeah, my brother is still playing Minecraft. He's 22 now. And he was talking about how he has to go mine ore from the ether or something. I haven't played Minecraft. The
1: no. nether, yeah.
0: The nether. Thank you. Thank you. Uh, that was never... Uh, I, I played some very brief uh, Minecraft when I was a kid. But yeah, I, I didn't know that was a thing. And I was like, wow, there's uh, any game that you could spend this much time in and the world keeps evolving and there's always new things for you to do. Uh and he's still not good enough or doesn't have what he needs to be able to uh, do it get, all yeah get he wants to get wings i believe i don't know i he was he was schooling me on all the things i've missed on minecraft recently right, and, right. Uh, i just think it's really remarkable for a game to have that much depth to it where it, where it continues evolving mm-hmm. uh and speaking of harry potter i cannot wait to play this harry potter rpg that is Mm coming out soon. It looks like so much fun. I'm obsessed with the Harry Potter franchise, Mm -hmm. always will be. Um, So yeah, it's, sorry, go ahead.
1: One last thing I want to add is, you know, Minecraft's also really supportive of the education space. Um, You know, they, I think they went for free. I mean, they're, this year, I think, you know, with COVID and everything, um, I remember, I think if you have like a Google, if your school is run through Google Suite, because every school is run through several content management, learning management systems. Um, And so I think for the schools that use Google education and all those tools that go with it, um, they got it for, they got access for free, I believe. Um, So I think just Minecraft education being super supportive of the education space and creating lesson plans has been really great.
0: Absolutely, it's a game that's always uh, been popular among student populations, and it's a game that teaches a ton of valuable lessons at its core. So I think that's a great note to wrap up this conversation on. Samantha, I want to give you one more chance uh, to talk about the latest with Nasif. What you want people looking out for? Ah, I I said Nasif. I knew I was supposed to say Nasif, and I finally I finally slipped on the last one. Uh, what are people looking out for from Nasif coming up? in the future. Uh, What lessons do you want parents to take away from this podcast in particular?
1: Yeah, I mean, I would say be sure to check out our website at nacef.org for any active competitions that we have. Um, Right now we do have Minecraft group Goldberg and we are gearing up to announce another Minecraft competition for 2021. Uh, So be sure to just check out what opportunities that we have just to be inspired on what opportunities could be out there for your student. Um, I think looking into what's out there, you know, there's so many options and it's just about finding what's the the right fit for your kid or for your student or for yourself, really. And embrace games.
0: Embrace games. It'll (laughs) pay a lot of dividends going forward. Your kids are already playing games. They're not about to stop. So you better Mm -hmm. embrace them if you want to turn that experience into the most positive experience it can be. I hope you all enjoyed this feature episode of the College Esports Quick Tech. I will be back on Monday with In the News covering the top headlines of College Esports over the last week. Thanks for listening.